It's not a game, folks. This life with Jesus is serious business, and he demands all of us. Amen? That's what we're working towards, aren't we? It's tough, but day by day we work towards that. And it, when in doubt, we put the focus on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. In fact, say with me, Jesus. Ready? Jesus. Oh, come on. Ready? Jesus. Amen. It is about that as we think about what Jesus has done for us, our Redeemer, our Savior, our Lord. What a great day it is today to be able to worship with you and worship with you folks online as well. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19 for a little while and other places in Luke this morning as we prepare for our Lord's Supper. <clears throat> and I want you to think about dreams this morning, about broken dreams. New Mexico State University's Dean of Agriculture was interviewing a prospective student, and he asked the student, why have you chosen this agricultural career? And this is what the student said. The student said, I dream of making a million dollars in farming, just like my father. Why are you laughing already? Some of you are laughing. That's what he, he said, I dream of making a million dollars in farming like my father. And the dean was very impressed, and he said, your father made a million dollars in farming? And the applicant replied, no, but he always dreamed of making a million dollars. <laughs> dreams. Grand dreams. Broken dreams. You know, there's a problem with dreams. Have you discovered this? To make your dream come true, you've got to stay awake. That's a problem, isn't it? Think about it for a minute. We're all dreamers, aren't we? As kids, we are. I remember for me, uh, believe it or not, I had a dream of being a pro athlete. That went away after a while. I had a dream of being a doctor until I discovered I really didn't like talking about that gross stuff or seeing that gross stuff and all that kind of things. What about you? Maybe some of you wanted to be an astronaut or a fireman. Or how about a teacher? Anyone? Or, or a doctor for you, maybe some kind of ball player. Some of you maybe even president. Anybody dream of being president? God forbid, right? Yes. Wow, dreams. Mm. As young adults, we dream. I remember we would dream about going to college maybe or getting a new job, a career, a trade, going into the service, serving our country, marriage, kids. Lots of dreams. Now, would you agree with me today when I answer this question? Are there any broken dreams here? And I would say, sure, there are. Sure, there are. Dreams get broken a lot of time. And I want you to think about the first Palm Sunday, if you will, for a moment. I think there were a lot of big dreamers there on that first Palm Sunday. It was in Jerusalem. You will remember there was a parade route. And it was lined with people, with dreamers, uh, just all along there. If you'll think about to the east of Jerusalem, the summit of the Mount of Olives, down that western slope, through the Kidron Valley, up the eastern slope of Mount Moriah and into the gates of the city of Jerusalem. Dreamers. Celebration. There was dancing. There was singing. There were palm branches, according to the Matthew and the Mark passage in, the, in the, those Gospels. There was a festive mood, and, and I can understand that. Everybody loves a parade, right? And this was a parade of sorts. But in the midst of all this, there were a bunch of, bunch of broken dreams and some dreams that would be broken as this week went on. And in a few short days, 
those cheers would go to jeers. Right? You know the story. Let's pick it up in the Luke account, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19. I'm going to read quite a few verses here just uh, as a narrative, just to give us and remind us of this great triumphal entry, starting in verse 28. When Jesus had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at a place called the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples and said, go into the village ahead of you. As you enter it, you will find a young donkey tied there uh, on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say this, the Lord needs it. So those who were sent left and found it just as he had told them. Let me just stop for a minute. Let us never forget. We find everything that Jesus has told us, we find it just as he told us. Have you experienced that in your life? Just as he promises, he is faithful God. He, he cannot lie. A couple places in scripture, he even tells us that, that God cannot lie. He, just as he told us, if you're searching today, maybe online or right here, look at what Jesus says and know that it will be just as he told you as you take a look at this. So that was a free sermon there. I, that one just, uh, just really got me there. But that's, that's amazing to think that. Let's pick it up again. Verse 33. As they were untying the young donkey, its owner said to them, why are you untying the donkey? I think they were kind of nice. I would have been a little more forceful there, right? Why are you stealing my donkey? Verse 34. The Lord needs it, they said. Then they brought it to Jesus, and after throwing their robes on the donkey, they helped Jesus get on it. As he was going along, they were spreading their robes on the road, and now he came near the path down the Mount of Olives, and the whole crowd of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Wow, can you picture it? But look at verse 39. Some of the Pharisees from the crowd told him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. Have you ever thought about that verse? Have you ever thought about the fact you make choices, I make choices, we choose what we're going to do. We can choose to be a witness or not. We can choose to praise God or not, but you know what? It's not about us. It's about him. And if we were not to praise him, even nature, even the very stones would rise up and cry out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And then we get to verse 41. And Jesus approached, and he saw the city, and he wept over it, saying, don't miss this, if you knew this day what would bring peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes, for the days will come on you when your enemies will build an embankment against you, will surround you and hem you in on every side. They will crush you and your children within you to the ground. 
and they will not leave one stone on another in you because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. Let's pray. God, remind us today who you truly are. Do not let us be fooled as so many were at that first Palm Sunday. Remind us today of your shed blood, of your broken body. Remind us today that you and you alone are our Redeemer, the one who can redeem any soul, any person from their sin to salvation to life with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So as we look at this story, we ask the question, who's the center of attention? Well, that's an easy answer, isn't it? The center of attention is Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Now, he was in the middle of a parade. Anybody ever been in a parade before? No? A few of you. I have. I'll never forget. In high school, I got to be in a homecoming parade. Any of you ever heard of high school? Can you remember? (laughs) Right down, what was it, 10th Street in Alamogordo. And our, wow, all right, great. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Uh, and, and what was interesting is uh, our little group that got to go in there, we had a friend who had, are you ready for this? It was a 65 or 6, I can't remember now, Mustang convertible. Oh, to have that car today, right? And we got to ride in that. It was the coolest thing. So here's Jesus. It's a parade. He's headed down the Mount of Olives, and he's in a convertible. Well, not quite. It's a donkey, and there he is. And the party is on, the parade is happening, and then we find out in verse 41. So what does he do, right? Is it this? Does he give the wave? No. <laughs> Jesus is what? Scripture says he's weeping. He's weeping. Why would Jesus be weeping in the middle of this celebration, this parade? He's weeping because he knew them. He knew their hearts. They wanted a king, and his kingdom is not of this world. Have you read that in Scripture? He's weeping. They were cheering, but he knew their hearts. We just read verses 41 through 44. A pronouncement. He knew what was going to happen in their hearts. They, see, they thought they were getting this political or military liberator. A form of liberation theology, really, almost. That's like, but that's not it at all. That's not what was happening. Amid all the palm branches, we find our Savior, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and he is weeping. Wow. We find broken dreams. So quickly, there's three little items I want us to look at this morning as we prepare our hearts for the Lord's Supper. The first one is this. Broken dreams can hurt. Broken dreams can hurt. How do we know that? We see Jesus. Jesus is hurting. Jesus is weeping. Now, this is not the first time that Jesus has wept. Do you remember another recording of that? John 11, 35. It's the trivia question that we get in the Bible. What's the shortest verse in the Bible? John 11, 35. Jesus wept. But it's a different word. I want you to think about that. That that verse says that Jesus wept when he was doing what? He was standing at the tomb of his good friend, his best buddy, Lazarus. But the word for this used at the tomb was the idea of shedding tears in a, in a more of a silent vein, you know, quietly. You know how you shed, you get like a lump in your throat and you shed some tears. But that's what it was. But not here in Luke 19. 
In Luke 19 here, it is a strong word used. This word means when he wept, it indicated pain. It indicated deep grief, which leads a person to do what? To cry with deep and loud sobs. Have you ever had a good cry? Jesus was doing this. It wasn't just something to himself. It was deep, painful, sobbing, weeping. It's the same word that's used a little bit later in Luke 22, verse 62. After the rooster, when the rooster crowed, after Peter denied Christ not once, not twice, but three times, Peter wept bitterly, Scripture says. This is the picture we have. Why? I believe Jesus had poured his heart out, his life out into these three years of public ministry. He'd healed their sick. We can go back and read that. Remember, we just read that they, they were saying, Hosanna, for what? For all the miracles that he had done. So he'd healed their sick. Wow. He'd cleansed their lepers. He fed their hungry. He'd given hope to those who were hopeless or depressed. But he had not won their hearts. Why? Because they wanted him for what they could get from him. And can we be real this morning? Could we admit that occasionally, sometimes, it's easy to be with Jesus when we want something from him? It's easy to praise him when he gives us something we want. It's harder when what happens? when it's, we're not right there, but we praise him anyway. Wow. They were looking for political savior. They were looking for military deliverer. You see, they wanted salvation and success. Did you catch that? We, we should want salvation. We should not want just salvation and success. Don't put a qualifier to it, but they were doing this all over the place. In fact, I believe they wanted another exodus. Now, not for them, but for the Roman oppressors. They wanted an exodus. They wanted that to be wiped out, however it would happen, and go away. Wow. And Jesus wept. You see, Jesus can say to us today, I understand what you're going through. I know what you're going through. I weep with you. You see, broken dreams can hurt. So we're going to have our first time of prayer time now. Here's what I want you to do. Gather up with someone next to you. It can be three or four. I don't want a real big group because that won't work, all right? Just two, three, or four. Would you gather together? And when I say go, I want you just to pray in your group for a couple minutes for each other. Just as Jesus wept for those folks, the others, we pray for each other. So would you do that right now, church, just wherever you are? If you feel comfortable in that, if you don't feel comfortable with someone next to you, pray by yourself. It's okay. But let's begin praying for one thing, for each other, for each other. Ready, set, go.
Maybe one more minute, and then we'll wrap it up. So wrap up your prayers, please. Thank you. Well, amen and amen. Thank you for praying. Thank you for participating, for praying for each other. Wow. Can we be honest this morning and admit that there are broken dreams, that things don't always go as we planned, and they cause hurt? But I want to give you good news this morning. They hurt for a season. I'm reminded that Jesus did not weep forever. He did not weep forever. Here's the second point I I want us to think about and pray about this morning. And it's this. Broken dreams can hurt, but secondly, broken dreams can heal. Can heal. If you turn in your Bible a couple pages to Luke chapter 22, verses 41 through 43. Luke 22, 41 through 43. You'll remember the context. Jesus has now moved through the week, and he, he is in the garden, the garden of Gethsemane. And we pick it up in verse 41. Then Jesus withdrew from them about a stone's throw away, and he knelt down, and he began to pray. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And don't miss verse 43. Then an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. You see, broken dreams can heal. We take a look at Jesus now. He's he's in the garden a few days later. He's overwhelmed with sorrow. We read about that in the Matthew passage, verse uh, chapter 26. But he, he, he doesn't stay there. I believe he leaves Gethsemane a victor. Scripture tells us he is strengthened. And he has confidence and he knows that the Father, his Father, is in control of the situation. Isn't that amazing to think about? He knows what's getting ready to happen. He's in such anguish that he literally is sweating drops of blood, and yet he gets to the conclusion, Father, your will. I am strengthened, and now you are in control. What about us today? As we ponder what Jesus has done for us on the cross, can we possibly take our dreams and give them to him? How do we do that? By surrendering. This is what Jesus did. By surrendering our will to his will, to God's will. The word, folks, is surrender. 
There, it's not a different word. Don't change the word. Don't act like it's a different word. The word is surrender. So you see, surrendering to God and his will brings true healing. Nothing else does. No substance can do that. No relationship can do that. No amount of money can do that. True healing comes when we surrender ourselves to the will of God. You see, we all have broken dreams. The real issue here is, is not that. The real issue for us today is what do we do with them? I've heard it said this way you have before. They can make us what? Bitter or they can make us better. You see, broken dreams can heal when God is in control. So I'm going to ask you to pray again. If you didn't like who you prayed with, didn't turn around and go, oh, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Again, if you didn't get a chance to pray in your group and you'd like to now, here's the chance for you to jump in and be first in your group. We're going to pray for this, for the word surrender, for God's will. Can you do that? It is the most beautiful sound a pastor can hear to hear folks praying. So let's do it again. Praying for surrender to God's will. Ready, set, go. Amen and amen. Thank you for praying for that. That's a tough prayer, isn't it? Wow. It's easy to pray for 
someone else to surrender to God's will. It's harder to pray that I would surrender to God's will. Have you, have you discovered in your life how strong your will can be? Boy, I have. It's that battle. Scripture talks about it, the flesh and the spirit and the battle that goes on there. But broken dreams can be healed when we realize that God is in control and we surrender to him. Number three, broken dreams, broken dreams can help. They actually can help if we work through them. Now, we're not going to read Luke 24, starting in verse 36, through the rest of the chapter. That's your homework assignment this week. In fact, I want to give you a homework assignment this week. Read the end of Luke. Also read the end of Matthew and Mark and John. And see the rest of the story because you need to be read up and ready to go. Because guess what? Next Sunday, we celebrate our risen Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's your homework. But I want you to know that Jesus didn't just stop. Once he said, your will, Father, he didn't just stop. He kept doing what was right. He kept doing what the plan was. He kept doing what the will of the Father was. Right after that, what happens? He goes and does what? He cleansed the temple complex. He got after it. He got going and did these things. And then over a period of days and different things and trials and praying, all kinds of stuff, he walked right to the cross. And then he rose again. So I'm giving you the end of the story, your homework, okay? You see, we know that, that broken dreams that once hurt us and then have been healed in our life actually can help us and actually can help others along the way. Your story can help others. Your story with Jesus, we call it your testimony, can really help others who might be going through something similar or who might be searching for meaning and purpose in life on this globe. And we have the answer to that. It's life with Jesus. You see, Jesus later appears to his disciples and even after the resurrection, we know what happens, right? He brings peace. He brings joy. He brings amazement to them. He opens their minds to understand the scriptures. Do you remember the two disciples walking along the Emmaus Road? It's as if, they say. I mean, there he was. He opens their minds to that. Jesus blesses his disciples. They worship him, and they have great joy. So now we're going to pray one more time. Can you do it one more time? And this time, it's going to be a prayer of praise, a prayer of thanksgiving for Jesus. That's what I want you to do. Just bless Jesus with your prayers of praise and thanksgiving. Ready, set, go.
Thank you, Lord, for the prayers of your people. Thank you, God, that you hear our prayers, and you're the God who answers amen and amen. Now, this may have been tough for some of you. Don't worry, we're not going to do this every week, okay? But it's good for us to be reminded of the centrality of prayer, and thank you. I saw uh, families joining together, couples joining together, parents and children. Thank you, parents. That's a great, great time to be teaching your children about prayer and, and, and public prayer and how we, we can do that. And so I thank you for, for doing that. Hopefully, this has allowed us to really focus in on what we're doing today. So the question is, what can we do as we prepare for our Lord's Supper? What else can we do? I would say this to you. Be faithful right where you are. God has a plan for you. And if you're searching today, if you don't yet have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, know that he has a plan for you. He has purpose for your life. He gives meaning to life. And he gives you faith to step towards him and just confess, repent of your sin and, and say, God, I'm tired of doing it my way. I want to follow you and see your way. And God promises in Scripture that if we turn to him, if we run to him, if we repent of our sin, and if, if we're truly sincere and we truly commit our life to him with the faith he's already given us, he will save us. And not only will he be Savior, but he'll be Lord of our life, boss, master, controller. And that can happen for you today. So that's where we begin. If that's happened for you, be faithful. Be faithful in the plan that God has for you. And I'd also say don't quit, don't give up. Remember, if something comes your way, a curveball, broken dreams can actually help you in the long run. And I guarantee you, they can bless others. In my life growing up, I had so many broken dreams. So many broken dreams. And throughout decades of ministry, I'm old, God has used, used my broken dreams from my childhood countless times, being able to relate to someone and help them as they were going through that. Don't discount what God can do with your life and your story and your testimony. Wow. The good news today though, is that we can continue to dream and dream again about life, about abundant life, life to the full, life with Christ. Where do we begin? We begin where Jesus began, at the foot, at the feet of the Father. Not my will, but your will be done. Let me pray for us today. And as we pray, would you join in just in your hearts praying that we would be faithful if we're a true follower of Christ. And if we're not one yet, that we would realize God working in our life, leading us to the point of salvation. Let's pray. God, we pray today. I pray today that you would uh, help us. We need your help so much that it would become a daily process of you working in our lives, that we would be faithful, that you 
that you are the one who has begun a good work in us. And we claim your promise in Scripture that you are faithful and that you will finish it, that you will complete it, and that we will walk in it. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to be faithful. Help us to realize that we have opportunities to impact and influence others. God, remind us of the fruit of the Spirit. Remind us of our testimony. God, help us to look back, not to be nostalgic, but to see those spiritual markers, to see those places where we look back and see you were at work, even if we didn't know it at the moment, in difficult times and in good times. Lord, help us to be faithful. God, help us to live lives in such a way that we can pray each day, not my will, but Father, yours be done. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus, our Redeemer, the one who shed his blood and his body for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, as we continue on now to the Lord's Supper and uh, the time of taking the elements, I want you to remember that today is the day. Today is the day we celebrate that Jesus began his final journey to the cross. We remember in Scripture where the scripture, we might have missed the phrase, but it says Jesus set his face for Jerusalem. Do you remember that? Nothing would stop him from completing the task, the rescue plan that God had for us. So remember, today, Palm Sunday, is not just to you know, go to Sunday school and get a little palm frond or sing Hosanna, Hosanna, although I like that song. No, today is to remember that this is the beginning of that final journey that Jesus began to the cross. You see, we're reminded in Luke 19.10 that Jesus came for what reason? To seek and to save the lost. Do any of you remember when you were lost? Do you remember when you were found? Do you remember when Jesus came and transformed your life, redeemed you, regenerated you? sealed you with his spirit. Wow, think about that for a minute. The final journey to the cross, Jesus seeking all along to save that which was lost. And the magnitude, the drama, if you will, of remembering the Lord and and his supper and taking the elements, let us remember that in just a few short days, blessed is he moves to what? Crucify Him. And yet, Jesus did not waver. Trial after trial, beating, flogging, a crown of thorns, a robe put on and ripped off, literally flesh hanging off of his back, being given a heavy cross to carry until he could carry it no more and someone had to pick it up. And remember that cross being laid down and Jesus being put on that cross and those spikes, those nails being driven into his hands and into his feet. And Jesus suffering for not just your sin and mine, but the sins of the world. 
But God demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were still sinners, he knew it, Christ died for us. And Scripture commands us that we remember. And we want to do that today as we get to this point. Hopefully you have received one of these. If not, raise your hand up high and we will, we've got ushers right here and here, some right there. They're moving. Get them up high, we'll get it to you. Thank you guys. So appreciate our ushers, the ministry that they have. One right back over here. Keep it up, we'll get to you. Great, thank you. As you peel back the top layer, you will first of all see that there is a wafer. We have a man right up here, guys. Thank you, Lee, and the lady right here. Thank you, get them. When you've received it, I want you to take that wafer. I want you to put it in your hand. I want you to feel it. There's nothing sacred about this, but it's a reminder of the broken body of Jesus Christ on the cross for us, for our sin. Do you have it? I'm going to read to you from Mark 14, 22. The scripture says this, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it to them, and this was the command, take it, eat, this is my body. Would you do that with me? you pray with me Lord help us to always remember and never forget the pain the agony the suffering that you went through with your physical body as you said not my will but father your will be done thank you for giving of yourself for us in our sin. And we remember today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So go ahead and take your cup now and uh, peel it back. You'll find some juice in there. Look at it. Nothing sacred or magical or mystical about this. It's a remembrance. It's a reminder of us of the shed blood of Jesus. From those beatings, the mocking, the trials, all that leading up to the actual being put on a cross. As some historians believe, the, most, the worst possible device of death created. And let us remember the Roman soldiers were good at it. And nothing was spared as our Lord was put on that cross. 
and has he shed his blood. No longer just sweat drops of blood, but now blood, blood. I've had people tell me over the years, you Christians have a thing about blood. And I would say, yes, sir, we do. The blood of Jesus, because Scripture tells us without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, there is no forgiveness of sin. This was the plan that God had for us, for sinners. And so we remember today, again reading from Mark chapter 14, verses 23 and 24. Then Jesus took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and so they all drank from it. And he said this to them, This is my blood that establishes the covenant, and it is shed for many. So we remember today. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Thank you, Jesus, for dying in our place for our sin. And help us never to forget your blood as it drained out of you moment by moment as your physical death came, the true suffering that happened. Thank you for doing the Father's will because just as you have said, established this new covenant salvation for us and you shed it for us and not just us but for many for whoever would call upon the name of the Lord and today God we remember and we're thankful in the name of Jesus we pray amen amen Well, I would never want to conclude a service, a Lord's Supper service, without the opportunity for people to really ponder their relationship with Jesus. You see, you can't remember, you can't participate if you have not yet received salvation from the Lord. So I just want to ask one more time, everyone in the room today, people online, wherever you are, do you know that you know that you know that God has saved you and you have entered into a personal relationship with Jesus. Now you realize it's hard for preachers. We say uh, you've placed your faith and trust in him. You've entered in. Is as we have something to do with it. No, God is, is drawing you right now. It's his work in your life. And he is, for by grace are you saved through faith. He's giving you one of his grace gifts. He's giving you the faith to see what Jesus has done for you for me and he gives you the opportunity to respond and he is ready and able and faithful and willing to save you from your sin to save you from separation with God I'm going to pray one more time this morning and if you're thinking about these things you could just pray a prayer There's no magic words, but something like I would pray. And with sincerity in your heart, ask God to come into your life and save you. So can we pray one more time this morning? Dear God, I fully recognize that I am a sinner and that I am separated from you. 
And God, I understand that your word, the Bible says that we've all sinned and the penalty is death. But God, I thank you that you had a rescue plan for me. That you love the world so much you sent Jesus and Jesus, your one and only son, died on the cross and on the third day he rose and conquered sin and death and the penalty, Satan, the grave. And God, I know that I want to be able to celebrate Easter as a child of the King. And so God, today, I sincerely place my trust in your arms that I say, not my will, but your will be done. That I confess and repent of my sin. I give my sin to you. And with the faith you've given me, I ask God that you would transform me, revolutionize me, that you would save me. God, I ask for that today. I ask God you would take over, not just as my Savior, but as my Lord. God, I believe in my heart that what you say is true, that you will do all of it. So I ask you today to save me and put me on the path of new life with you. And I thank you. In Jesus' name.